Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Yeah, buddy. And here we are, Raider Nation. We are in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for the first time in what seems like forever. I know I say that every week, about once a week, because, well, that's what it seems like it is. About once a week, I'm actually able to make my way to the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's always great to be here in person and be able to rock with you for the next three hours. So, Raider Nation, here we are. Damon, it's nice to not look at you over... Uh, what is it, Google Meet that we're on all the time? Yes, it is. <laughs> I always forget. I always want to say Zoom because it's the lazy way to say it. Like, oh, oh, it's just a Zoom call. But it's Google Meet. That's what we got. Works better than Zoom. It does. It does. Zoom, we have to reset it about 18 times. It gives us like 10 minutes at a time that allow us to do a, a video conference, which I have no reason understanding why. But that's a whole nother story. So Damon found a new way to do it. So we're good to go. We only have to do it one time instead of, like I said, about 18 times. But, hey, don't have to worry about it today because we are back in studio rocking with you for the next three hours. So Raider Nation, we definitely want to hear from, from you throughout the course of the show. Of course, we got a big show lined up for you today. And today is officially cut day, the very first cut day for the 2022 season. Rosters, as of an hour ago, an hour and one minute, had to be cut down from 90 to 85. And so that's what every team across the league has done, including the Raiders. And so far, don't have an official list of the guys that have been released, but uh, we do know one that uh, one corner has been released, and it was uh, the latest the latest corner to actually get signed. It was the guy that we knew was like, hey, he's, he's not going to be around very long. He had just signed, uh, what, maybe last week? So cornerback Nate Brooks, we know for a fact, is uh, is no longer with the silver and black. Jordan Schultz of Yahoo has actually been on the show before he put that tweet out. So I haven't got the official list of the guys that have been released. But uh, again, I don't expect anyone massive like a big name to be released in this first wave of five guys. Now, when it cuts down from 80 to 53, that's when you'll get the old blank moment. Like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Right. Because there's always one every year, at least one, one big time cut or release that you say, yeah, sure didn't see that one coming, but it's guaranteed to happen. But when it when they only cut down five at a time, you could pretty much put your finger on, okay, these are the guys based off what we've seen in practice, based off the guys that, you know, we see in the games, who's probably going to get released. So uh, there you go. Cornerback Nate Brooks has been the first one to be released that we know of. And again, when the list comes out, we'll officially give it to you. But again, I, I don't expect anything major. But what I do expect to be major is the show that we have lined up for you today. Very excited about the show. I'm excited about the show every single day. It's the best part of the day, being able to come on here and talk some Raider football and just talk in general for uh, three hours and uh, hear the thoughts of Raider Nation. Of course, uh, get the thoughts of Demon as well. Coming up at 2.30, Jesse Merrick, our good friend from Th- News 3LV, he's going to join the show to talk about the game on Sunday. He's out at practice every single day and will be back out at practice tomorrow. It was funny. Didn't know that the Raiders were off today until kind of late last night. And so as soon as we found out, I was like, whoa. Well, what do you mean? A Tuesday off? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's different 
when the preseason game fell on Sunday, so it kind of made their schedule bounce back a little bit. So, uh, yeah, have today off. That was pretty cool. Uh, but we'll be back out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center tomorrow, uh, probably tomorrow morning very early, and that's just fine with me. So Jesse Merrick will join us at 2.30 to talk about everything that's going on with the silver and black that he's been seeing, uh, what he's been most impressed by, you know, what he might be concerned about because I think there are still definitely some concerns with this team. But at the same time, uh, as I've told many people, I feel like this team is headed in the right direction, but they have some some areas that they still definitely need to shore up and clean up uh, before they get ready for that September 11th game against the Chargers in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. At 3 o'clock, our normal Tuesday guest, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, he'll join us to talk all things NFL. He'll talk about cut downs, how they used to go directly from 90 to 53, where they didn't have the, you know, the stages where it went from 85 to 80, then to 53. At one point, it was just 90 and then 53. All those guys were out. And look, it's only 10. It's only 10 guys that are going to be out before the actual official massive cutdown. But that 10 makes a difference. If you go 10 times the rest of the league, that's 32 teams cutting 10 guys, right? That's 320 guys uh, being released. So uh, that's, that's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of dudes. But when the massive cutdown comes, that's when you better watch out. And I know a lot of people have been talking about and chiming in, calling in, texting in, saying that, you know, the Raiders are waiting for that big wave of cuts before they go out and make a couple moves. I said it yesterday on the show. I understand that. I don't think that you're going to get a big-time quality player that you can depend on by being released. You know, I I just don't see that happening because especially in the offensive line, defensive line, I can see a skill position if you're only looking for a guy for maybe a one-year rental. But a position like an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, D-tackle, left tackle, right tackle, whatever the case may be, you're not looking for a left tackle. You have Colton Miller. But, you know, swing tackle, right tackle, it's just so hard to find those guys after they've been released because the reality is every team wants a quality right tackle, a quality swing tackle, and a quality defensive tackle. So if they're really good, most likely they're not getting released. But stranger things have happened. Sometimes guys are available, and that's what Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, that's what their job is to do is to comb through the waiver wire and find out exactly who's out there and available. And I'm sure they're keeping an eye on everything going on today to see what kind of moves they can make. I've seen teams release their five and then immediately sign another guy from another team that just got a release. I mean, it's already happening. So there's a lot of roster shuffling going on in the NFL. So we'll talk to John McClain at 3 o'clock about all things NFL. We have cover three NFL news and notes of the day coming up at 3.30. And uh, then we have 4 o'clock. Our normal Tuesday and Thursday guest, Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider offensive lineman and a part of the Raiders radio network. He joins Jason Horowitz in the booth each and every game. He'll join us at 4 o'clock and talk about their second their second run at it together as they, uh, you know, they broadcast the game on Sunday against the Vikings. And then, of course, just what he saw from the team, what he saw from the offensive line. And I think that that'll be a really good conversation today with Lincoln because, DeMond, there was a lot of moving and, you know, moving parts on that offensive line in Sunday's game. So I think there'll be a lot to talk about with Lincoln. Yeah, exactly. With that offensive line, all the players that were moving around and not only what he thought about them. Did he see a unit that he said this one performed the best when right. they were out there together? Because I'll be honest, I don't know what the team's thinking. And just from me watching the game, I don't know like how they're grading their evaluation. Hey, these five, when they were out there together, they look the best. Right, exactly. And then at that point, we'll also ask him about, you know, when do you have to have an idea? You know, I've asked him that. I think a week ago I asked him that. Hey, when do you think that they need to have an idea? And he said that he didn't really have an idea, you know, because they've got to be able to work together. So after seeing this run at it, does he have a little bit better idea? Does he see a couple of guys that stood out? Did, you know, Thayer Mumford show something that he can, you know, kind of hone in on and say, okay, that guy's got a little something. I would be surprised 
if Thayer Mumford were to start the season as the starting right tackle, I'd be shocked to be 100% honest, just because we know he's a seventh-round pick. We don't always want to put the seventh round in front of his name, but that's the reality of it. He's a seventh-round pick, so it's going to be tough to all of a sudden slide into that starting role. But I thought he held his own. From what I saw, from my naked eye, he held his own on on Sunday. And again, it's just a preseason game, so you don't want to get too over the top about it. But I think Thayer Mumford is actually making it very difficult Maybe not very difficult, but making it more difficult on Alex Leatherwood to hold down that right tackle spot. So I think there's a good competition going on right there. But we'll ask Lincoln Kennedy all those thoughts coming up at 4 o'clock when he joins us again. He joins us every single Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock to talk all things silver and black. Then at 4.30, we'll kind of make a, a right turn and we'll talk to Commissioner Craig Patrick. He's from 3 Ice Hockey. We gave out a bunch of those tickets already. Uh, it's a tournament going on at the, at the uh, Orleans Casino, and you can win a million dollars. <laughs> so uh, the commissioner of three ice is going to join us just to talk about the tournament, talk about how everything's going on, how they came up with the concept and more importantly, how these teams can win a million dollars. That's what it's all about. Winning that money, right? <laughs> I mean, a million dollars, these players, they got to be playing for their lives right now. I mean, I would be, if I had an opportunity to win a million dollars, I'm going to give everything I got. It might not be enough, but I'm going to give everything <laughs> I got. And then three ice. Come on. You ain't even got to, you ain't got to split that that much. So in three guys. Exactly. Maybe like a couple of subs, six at the most. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I've never done a deep dive on three ice. I haven't. But that's why this conversation will be kind of fun. So coming up at 430, we'll talk to uh, the commissioner of the league. That's Craig Patrick. He'll join us at 430 to talk about the tournament, talk about the league, talk about the expectations, all that good stuff. Again, we gave out a bunch of tickets to that. So uh, Commissioner Craig Patrick will join us at 430. So uh, there you go. Heck of a uh, guest lineup that we have today. Jesse Merrick at 2.30, John McClain at 3, Lincoln Kennedy at 4, and then Commissioner Craig Patrick will join us at 4.30. So those are the guests lined up on the show. And, of course, when we find out uh, the official uh, people, the players that were released from the Silver and Black today because they had to be down to 85 players by 1 o'clock. And, of course, they are uh, under compliance with that right now, but we have not got the official list. Once we get that official list, we'll definitely bring it to you. So now that you know the guests coming up on the show, you kind of have an idea of how it's going to go, let's jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So Raider Nation, I want to go ahead and start things off and really hear from you early and often. I really want this to be one of those shows where you're very, very active. 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. And it's funny, I don't remember exactly who I was talking to. Uh, I talk to people all the time, no matter where I'm at, I'm just always talking about something. But it, this this question that was asked to me stuck out in my head. What has surprised you the most about what you've seen or heard about this team so far? And it was some interview that I was doing. It was, it was one radio show. It was either Sioux Falls. It was Fresno. It was Utah. It was somewhere, somewhere where I was doing an interview about the Raiders. And someone asked me straight up, you know, what has been your biggest surprise? Matter of fact, I think it was Sioux Falls. And my, my answer to that was really, and I've, I've talked about it, and I've stressed it on this show multiple times, I've stressed it on my podcast multiple times, my biggest surprise is just the attention to detail. It really is. Like, I really do believe, and I could be, I could be fooled, right? I mean, I, I might come back six weeks from now, the Raiders are, you know, a handful of games into the regular season, and be like, all right, my bad. My bad. I was wrong. And I'm okay with admitting that. I've, I've never had a problem admitting any time that I'm wrong here on the show. I have no problem with that. I just have a really strange feeling that this team is going to be one of the most disciplined teams in the league. I mean, it really is. I I just feel like that they are really going to do eliminate so many things that they've done in the past 
Obviously not this regime, not all these same players, but just the the mystique of the Raiders. The Raiders are always known for committing a lot of penalties, you know, having some dumb turnovers at times, doing stuff that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I go back to what uh, last season, and I forget who was who was returning the kickoff, but they tried to grab it and step out of bounds, and instead they stepped out of bounds and grabbed or something like they did something wrong. They did it backwards. Let's put it like that. And instead of getting the ball in the forty, they ended up with the ball in the two. Right. Well, that was in the playoff game, wasn't it? I think that was the playoff game, and I don't remember who did that. Uh, and so I'm sure someone will text in and, and, uh, and let me know who, exactly who it was who made that massive mistake. But I just feel like this team, from what I'm seeing in training camp, offensively and defensively, there is such an emphasis on attention to detail, like every small little item that we think is small, something I might think is small that isn't small, like even getting up in the morning on a game day, driving to the stadium. You know, the distance between your house and the stadium, how long it takes you to get there, what time the team's going to eat together, what time they're going to do this together. Like, everything is planned out, even in preseason. It's not like, okay, they're going to turn things on and all of a sudden show this discipline in the regular season. You have to work on that right now. And that's what this team is doing, and that's what I've been most impressed about. It's not the, you know, the, the offensive weapons, it's not the defense going out there making you know plays and turning the ball over or how fast Max Crosby is or, or how good I think Nate Hobbs is going to be, and none of that is, is false. All that is stuff that I do believe. But the attention to detail that this team has or is showing at least, and that's from the top to the bottom, that starts upstairs, right, with the front office all the way down. I feel like the attention to detail is greater than we've ever seen attention to detail, with the, or at least me. Maybe, maybe it's happened before in the past when I was a new booty and I wasn't you know, paying attention like that. But to me, it feels like the attention to detail is massive right now. So that is my biggest surprise. And really, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because if you go and you look at where McDaniels and Dave Ziegler came from, it's New England where they have a lot of attention to detail, where they have a lot of discipline, where it's about doing your job. But you think sometimes, you know, the student gets away from the teacher and gets a little squirrely and gets a little sideways. And, and we all know that things didn't shake out the way that Coach McDaniels wanted it when he was in Denver, and that's fine. Not holding that against him. That was 10 years ago. I know all of us were different than, than we are, you know, 10 years ago than we are today. Don't, don't, I'm not worried about that. But just the way that every single one of these coaches have coached up these players and when they're teaching them, when they pull them to the side and they're, they're giving them some instruction, I couldn't tell you how many times – Vinny has pulled me to the side and said, hey, man, there's Josh McDaniels talking to this offensive lineman. Or, hey, there's Josh McDaniels talking to this corner. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, or, hey, there goes Patrick Graham talking to uh, Antonio Pierce, linebacker's coach. It's just, it seems like there's consistent instructions going on all the time. And not instructions in the yell, 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 rah, rah, do it my way or, you know, get off my field type way. But just the, and I think Honda was probably the first person that, that I heard say this when we were in a media session was it wasn't about the, it wasn't about the, 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 the way to do it, the instructions, but it was always the why, why it's being done like this. I want to say that he was one of the first ones that I heard say that in the media session, and that really caught my attention. And then I remember Josh McDaniels having a big, long answer about it, about, yeah, you've, you've got to know the why. And so I think there's a lot of that going on, and that itself, I believe, is going to result in really good discipline play on the field. Does that mean that they're just going to be handed games? Hell no. It's not how it works. You can be disciplined all you want, but if you're not worth the salt, they're not going to win games. But we saw what the Raiders were a year ago. 
We saw them win 10 games a year ago, and they might not have been the most disciplined team. There might have been times where they got off the field or they tried to get off the field on third down, third and long, and had a late hit on a quarterback, extend the drive. Jumped off sides, extend the drive. Fourth and one, they're going for it, false start. You know, how many times did Alex Leatherwood get hit with that last year? How many times did Brandon Parker get hit with that? And who knows when Brandon Parker's coming back, if he's coming back. But Alex Leatherwood, I haven't seen false starts from him. I mean, have you? Have you seen false starts from Alex Leatherwood yet? Oh, no, I haven't. And while you were talking, I was doing a little research. Since 2015, the Raiders have finished in the top five in penalties. Right. Four times. I don't, I don't doubt that. The, the, I, I, I could do the research all, all show. Right. But I, I haven't found a season where they're in the bottom 10 yet, like since in the past decade. Right. So, I mean, so it is a constant problem. You say it's not the new regime, but the fan base certainly does carry over that can't get right stigma, or maybe it's just this team is always being overpenalized. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, mean, I couldn't tell you how many times we heard that conversation, right? I mean, there's been guys, there's been guests on the show, not this show. But there's been guests on the show on the station before that, you know, have screamed to the mountaintops that it's not the Raiders, it's everybody else's fault, where I don't sign up for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things, judgment calls, cool, I get that. That's, that's questionable. You know, just like against T-Billy in the end zone. I could have seen that being called a pass interference, but I also could see it not being called a pass interference. So when they didn't call PI on it, I was okay with that. You know, and that was obviously against him. That wasn't uh, the Raiders, but there was a couple plays that they made downfield defensively that I thought, that was a good, clean play. I could have seen it being called the other way as well, right? I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. But I just feel like my biggest surprise, and it's not a bad thing. And look, your surprise could be a bad thing. You know, just it, it doesn't have to be rainbows and puppy dogs. Just because it's a surprise, all surprises ain't good. Believe me, I know, all surprises ain't good. You get that phone call, you get that call to the office, Mr. Myers, I need to see you. Oh, damn. Didn't think this was coming down the pipeline. All of a sudden, surprise. Going to take that out your check every week. Man, that's, you know what I mean? (laughs) That ain't no fun, man. We used to have a lady at our job, man, at Q97 in Fresno named Gina. She was an older lady. She used to deliver bad news so bad or so nicely. Yeah, she delivered it so nicely that you couldn't even get mad. You know, like, Damon, if I came to you and was like, hey, dog, the job's going to start cutting, you know, taking $200 out your check off top. You'd be mad. You'd be pretty fired up. Because I would deliver it just like that. <laughs> hey, dog, I can't, I can't do nothing for you. $200 coming out your check off top. You'd be angry about that, and I don't blame you. But Gina had a way of delivering that bad news. and That same, same thing she's delivering, she would deliver it where you couldn't even get mad. I walked in the office one day. Oh, Q, I'm glad you're here. Can you come up and see me? I was like, oh, yeah. You know, she had a big old smile on her face. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. My mind, Damon, I'm getting a raise. I'm about to get a raise. I'm about to sign this paperwork. Uh, we got this, uh, paper in the mail today. And, uh, so we're going to have to take a, you know, $180 out of every one of your checks. I said, every one of them. She said, every one of them. I said, how much is that? She said, 360 a month. I was like, ah, ah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and then I walked away and I was like, wait, I wasn't even angry. I can't even afford that. How am I not angry? But she had a way of delivering that bad news. So surprise. That was a surprise. I was like, surprise. Yeah, that's a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the one you want. So every surprise doesn't have to be a good surprise, but I do want to hear from you what your biggest surprise is about this team right now as it's being built, as they're putting it together, as they're cutting down the first five on their way to 53 by August 30th. So do you have a surprise from what you've seen or what you've heard from this team so far? The confidence. 
is that it's there. I think that every player, even with the offensive line, and we all know that, that this is the biggest question mark on the team, I don't think that any player is not prepared for this team to be a playoff team. Where in years past, hey, you know, it's when players say hey, it's, a, it's the player speak, it's the coach speak of we just got to go out there and put out the best product on the field, be yep. the best us, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a good chance against any team. But this team here, it feels a little bit different that when these players speak in the in the post game or in their press conferences weekly, I feel like that these guys are feeling like, hey, we are one of those top teams in right. the league. No, yeah. The confidence is definitely there, but not in a cocky way. Not in a way where, oh, yeah, our blank doesn't stink and we're going to go run the AFC West. It's not that. It's like, hey, there's a lot of work to do. We've got to handle our business. But they, they I think they see the blueprint. Like, there's it's there. And, and on top of that, I feel like they've all bought in to what head coach Josh McDaniels has told them. And I don't remember what player it was, but somebody said, oh, it was T-Billy. It was T-Billy following the game. And, you know, asking him about, you know, the, the Josh McDaniels system and everything. He was like, he's got like nine Super Bowl trips. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, how are we not going to listen to him? He's got nine Super Bowl trips. And that's the thing. That's the credibility right there. He's got what they want. They all want to go to the Super Bowl. They all want to make that run multiple times. He's been there, done that. So they're buying what he's selling because he's got the proof. It's not just listen to what I tell you, do as I tell you, and we're going to get there. Okay, coach, where's your rings? I mean, I ain't got any yet, but I'm fitting to get some, right? I mean, they, 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 he's got the skins on the wall to be able to say that. So I think that that's a, that buy-in is major. Uh, shout out to Lil Al Davis. He hit us up on Twitter. If I remember correctly, it was Peyton Barber. That bonehead play cost us decent field position. That was that play I was talking about on, uh, on on kickoff where he was supposed to do it one way and it, the ball would end up at the 40. Instead, the ball ended up at the two. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. It was just, it was bad business. It was not a good play. But yeah, Lil Al Davis, you're absolutely right. It was Peyton Barber. So thank you so much for that. I knew someone was going to hit us up and tell us because Raider Nation's got my back like that. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, got a couple text messages on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And we'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. Chime in. You can call us as well at 702-365-9200. Uh, what has surprised you the most, since what you've seen or heard about this team so far as they're trying to put this thing together? Uh, Jason and Maryland hit us up, not talking about this subject, said, Q, I disagree. They could find an average or better tackle on the waiver wire after cutdown day. That final cut down because a numbers game for all teams going from 80 to 53. So it's bound to be a veteran or perhaps either a younger player who is being outperformed or given up on that can fit the scheme and get coached up. Vinny's preaching that as well. That's Jason in Maryland. That's cool. I, I don't have any problem with that. I just feel like at that position, and this is just me talking, you could be 100% right. This is just my feelings. And I, I've heard Vinny talk about that as well. I feel like at that position, if you have a guy that's really good, and really a guy that can be counted on, most teams are going to hold on to that unless they just have an embarrassment of riches. And then if they do, most times they're going to try to trade that guy instead of just release him. But I understand completely what you're saying, and believe me, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you at all. <laughs> I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. The number games becomes uh, it comes a, a, a bear, right? The number game becomes incredible. So, yeah, they might get lucky and find a guy. I mean, you know, we had the example yesterday. Someone texted in and said, uh, Donald Penn. Donald Penn didn't get cut down. He didn't get uh, released on cutdown day, but he did get released at the beginning of the, or the end of the season that year before the Raiders signed him. He got released in March, and the Raiders signed him as a free agent, and it worked out really well. So that could happen. You know, if a guy's older and they have a, a young stud behind him, yeah, possibly. But I just feel like at those positions, because protecting the quarterback is so valuable, 
that most likely teams are going to try to trade that guy instead of just flat out, you know, release him. But there's always there's always exceptions to the rule. So, Jason, you're, you're absolutely right. So uh, I, I, I stand corrected. I, I probably worded that incorrectly. Uh, but thank you for the for the text. No, I'm kind of on your side about this, where if someone gets released, I just looked it up because Jason Peters, uh, him and Jordan Schultz were talking, mm-hmm. and he put that on his Twitter account. But Jason Peters, he's still active. I know he's 44 years old. Right. But last year, I know people. some people don't care. Some people, hey, it, it matters a lot. He graded out at a 77. So are you telling me that a team is going to release somebody that's better than a 40-year-old Jason Peters in the next couple of weeks? I, I Like, I don't see it. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> I but don't if see it was it. like bring somebody in, right. if the costs were the same, why mm-hmm. not just bring in the future Hall of Famer rather than a guy who, no offense, couldn't make the team that he's being released from? Right, right. No, no, I, I agree 100% with that. And, you know, that's why I, I said what I said. But, you know, I understand that maybe a guy slips through the cracks. You know, the, the other thing I see when it comes to offensive linemen and, and not being there is in a case of like a Tevin Jenkins who was drafted by the Bears and he's just not fitting in with the new regime. There's a new regime there and. You know, it seems like that they're ready to move on from him, but they're not going to release him. That's the thing. You're not going to release a guy in his second year, and he's a second-round pick. I mean, that's too much of a hit that you're going to take against your salary cap. But I can see a guy like that being traded. But that would be because he's not living up to his end of the bargain, and they think, you know what, this guy, this was just a bad pick by this team. And so they try to move on from him. So I can see that happening. I feel like that is going to happen more than a real quality offensive lineman being released. But, again, stranger things have happened. Right. There's been guys that are released. We, we get surprised about guys that are released all the time. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen getting released, I uh, got a text from the 707. Would anyone really be shocked that if Alex Leatherwood got cut? cut? Uh, yes, I would be. I'd be super shocked. I don't see that happening at all. Now, if that were to happen, if that were to come down the waiver wire on August 30th, all of a sudden it says that former first round pick Alex Leatherwood is cut. I mean, man, I, like my grandmother used to say, I kiss a duck. Right. I just I. <laughs> Hey, don't you laugh. That's my grandma. You say it all the time. But uh, no, I, I would be super surprised, right? I mean, that I just don't see that happening. Even if he doesn't start, he's still serviceable. You know, you're still looking for that swing tackle. Uh, I, I think there's a, a real deal competition. I don't see any way, any way that Alex Leatherwood could possibly be on the outside looking in. I just, I just don't see it. Again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't starting. I would be super shocked if he wasn't on the team. Let's go out and get one quick call in at 702-365-9200. Who we got up? Operator Raider. Operator Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's happening, Q? Tell it, man. So, my biggest surprise of this team so far isn't even team-related. It's it's due to the, the regime. Um, we have no idea what the hell these guys are up to. Like, I remember last year, we knew who our first-round pick was going to be from a guy that played Call of Duty with the dudes on the Raiders staff. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Yes, we did. Crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They, we we have we have no clue what how these guys what these guys are up to, and I think that's going to translate into the season with the predictability issue. Because I remember sitting there watching games last year. I'm like, we all knew exactly what Gruden was going to do. Um, I I don't know the, the way these guys operate. I I've got full trust in them, but the biggest surprise is just the Raiders have been so predictable for so many years that this is like the first time I can remember where I have no idea. Right. I have no idea what they're doing. 100%. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Hey, great for, great call, man. Operator Raider right there. That's a great call and a great point. Because in free agency, nobody had an idea what the Raiders were doing. There was a lot of speculation. Oh, the Raiders are going to get Devontae Adams. But that was guys that were throwing stuff against the wall trying to make it stick. Right? Even after Devontae bought the house in Vegas, I was convinced that that was just Devontae buying a house in Vegas. And maybe that's all me. 
But, yeah, you're right. Them not showing their cards and showing their hand, you've got to tip the cap to that front office and everyone in that building because you're right. I knew who the first-round pick was. At least I was told. I didn't believe it. But I knew who the first-round pick was. I was told it was Alex Leatherwood by a guy that played Call of Duty with someone in that Raiders building. And I doubt that that person that was playing Call of Duty is still in that Raiders building. I'm really, I'd be really shocked if they were. Also, I found out about the first game of the season against the Ravens on Monday Night Football by the guy playing Call of Duty with somebody in the Raiders building. Guess what? I didn't find out about the, the schedule from anybody on Call of Duty again. I mean, it's just, you're right, it's buttoned up over there, and that is a good thing. 228 the time, Jesse Merrick, News 3 LV. He'll join us to start off the next segment. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. What a lot of people don't know, like, they just see Max do that on Sunday. Like, Max is like that in every single practice, every single walkthrough, every single rep. Max don't know this, but he probably gonna hear whatever he watches. His energy every single play, you know, it, it just, it drives me. When I'm not feeling it, I can just look at Max, like, all right, well, if he can do it every single play, well, like, why can't I? And, you know, not just it affects me, I'm pretty sure it affects the other 10 guys on the field also. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Raiders Pro Bowl linebacker Denzel Perryman right there talking about Max Crosby, talking about the top 100 list. I haven't even touched on the top 100. I know four Raiders already chimed in on the list, but I kind of like to wait for those things, to the whole thing to unfold, and then I'll talk about it. Other thing is, I don't really get too high on them at all. You know, it's just like, okay. But I respect it because it is players that are voting on it. So that's just the respect that they're getting around the league from their peers. So that's I know that's a big deal for them. Me, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it, but I'll talk about it once the whole thing is revealed. I've been asking about the biggest surprise so far as you're watching this Raider team being put together. And we'll ask Jesse Merrick in a minute. He's on the phone lines. He's going to join us to talk all things silver and black. But uh, Shashi hit us up with a really good one. Biggest surprise. After having one of the worst offensive lines last year, the Raiders added no one outside of a third and seventh round player, despite having the second most cap space currently. I think that's a great point. And I brought up the fact the biggest surprise don't have to be the happiest surprise. It doesn't have to be rainbows and puppy dogs. It could be a negative. And where Shashi's not trying to come at it negative, it's just a surprise. Like, hey, offensive line wasn't too good. And they really went out and didn't do a whole lot of anything to it except for add a third round pick and a seventh round pick, who, by the way, are getting a lot of burn right now. So maybe those two players are going to end up being something special. Maybe they're onto something that we're not onto. But uh, Shashi, thank you so much for that tweet. I do appreciate you. And now joining us on the phone lines from News 3 Las Vegas is our guy Jesse Merrick. Does a fantastic job covering all the sports here in Las Vegas. You can find him on Twitter at JesseNews3LV. And Jesse, I'll start with you. What's been your biggest surprise so far as this team is being put together and the first round of cuts is upon us? Hey, what's up, Cuba? And I, I got to go to shout out to Sashi, too. That was a really good one because <laughs> that has got to be the biggest surprise, I think, when you talk about this team. Uh, but for me, you know, I'm sticking with the offensive line. Just a surprise in the fact that Lester Cotton has kind of come out of nowhere and seems to lock down that starting spot at right guard. I mean, you know, obviously with uh, Denzel Good retiring, that kind of opened the door for it. But he was already kind of being talked about as being that guy uh, out of OTAs and early on in camp, you know, a couple days prior to – uh, you know, good actually getting uh, the announcement that he was going to retire. So, like, for me, it's just got to be Lester Cotton. And, and I can't help myself 
but watching him and Alex Leatherwood uh, in each of the preseason games or a lot of times in our practice just because, and no disrespect, I just don't buy it. And it's crazy, you know, to think that uh, a guy that's had five snaps in his entire NFL career has uh, just kind of figured it out. And I hope he has because that'd, that'd be awesome for this Raiders offensive line if, if, he, if things kind of click for him and he's able to, you know, be a, a serviceable starter there at right guard. Uh, you know, and that would help some answer some questions. But, you know, kind of like Sasha, you noted, or you, like you noted, you know, third and seventh round picked, and Munford, you know, got a big opportunity getting the start there. You don't want to read too much into who actually starts and who doesn't in uh, preseason games and whatnot. But having said that, big opportunity for him with Brandon Parker being hurt. And then the fact that Dylan Parham is playing like 50 different positions. <laughs> I mean, I've been impressed with the kid. It looks like they've hit on him thus far. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And Dylan Parham, I mean, he's he is doing everything that GM Dave Ziegler said he wanted was be versatile, right? A versatile guy. That's exactly what he's doing, playing all those inside positions. So as far as that offensive line goes, do you have any idea who the leaders in the clubhouse would be for that starting five? Or do you think it's still wait and see? Man, you know, I think it's still wait and see, but if you're asking me what it's going to be, I think it's going to look like Colton Miller, John Simpson, Andre James, uh, Lester Cotton, and then honestly, I think at right tackle, I think they're going to roll with Leatherwood. You know, I think I think a lot of us, have been, like I said, a lot of us have kind of overreacting to the fact of, like, whether when O'Parker was healthy, when, uh, you know, Munford's getting reps there, and Alex Leatherwood. I've just been trying to it, – it's tough with this coaching staff because, you know, they're only going to give you so much at the podium. Right. But – you know, you try and kind of read between the lines and, and, and decipher what they're saying. And I think the this is going to sound so weird, but the lack of hype around Leatherwood whenever they talk, where they just say he goes out there and does his job, to me reads as like, hey, the guy's doing what we tell him to do, and that's about it, and that's what they're looking for in that spot. You know, having said all that with the offensive line, I think a big reason why they didn't make so many moves and address that, which could be could be possibly coming, but I think maybe this coaching staff thinks that they can coach around it with the weapons that they have on this offense. Uh, you know, and honestly, I've seen the way that they've been able to run block. You know, throughout the uh, preseason thus far, and it looks like they're going to be a pretty decent run blocking team. It's just the pass protection is not necessarily there, but you can kind of manufacture your way around that. And I think this coaching staff may think that, but those are the five that I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, come uh, opening day for me, unless there's a move made, uh, you know, by bringing in a vet at some point here. Yeah, and that very well could happen, right? And and I've made the point a couple times, and I've had a little bit of pushback from people, and that's okay, uh, about that if they go outside the building to get a guy that's released from a team, most likely you're not going to get a guy that's a big-time difference maker because he's getting released. And at that position, you know, they're going to hold on to as many offensive linemen that they feel like are really quality. I know some guys slip through the cracks, but what are your thoughts? If they do end up getting a guy off the waiver wire, do you think they can get a quality uh, piece that could really help out, or, or do you think it'll just be depth? Uh, no, I think they can get a quality piece, like a, a starter at that point. I mean, you know, w- with these guys in particular, I'm sure they're going to try and tap some guy that's got, you know, uh, either you know experience with his coaching staff or experience in this staff, and then you can kind of slide in there. You know, and, and I think if they, if they do bring someone in, I, I'd imagine it's to be a starter, not for any sort of depth piece, because, you know, I think they've got enough enough in the way of depth, right. you know, right now. When you look at Jermaine Illuminor, who's honestly, to me, has been the most impressive offensive lineman outside of the guys that are, like, for sure starters. He's been the most impressive guy that I've watched throughout training camp uh, and, and in the preseason as well. I'm talking practices, games, all that. I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of him. Uh, you know, but I think when you pair the fact that you've got Brandon Parker in there as well as a depth piece, Alex Leatherwood possibly as a depth piece if he's not starting, I think they've got enough depth. I think it's a matter of if you're, if you're going to spend that money, you bring someone in as a starter. 
Got you. Got you. Talking right now with Jesse Merritt from News 3 Las Vegas here. Uh, obviously in Las Vegas, we're on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Devon's got one for you. Yeah, Jesse, I know you're a former receiver, and you really try to look at the receivers out at practice. DBs win games. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, get out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> points, baby. You can't win unless you score points. <laughs> I'll let you guys settle it Come on the practice field. <laughs> yeah, hey, I got the cleats. I got the cleats, bro. Let's go. I got you. Let's go. Lock up drills on field three. Let's go. <laughs> All right, we'll practice tomorrow. You guys can work to settle this out. Between right. the two of you. <laughs> Jesse, I will say, Q still does got the wheels, though. I will give him that. That's right. But who's impressed you hey, from this receiver hey. court? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you plead your case. Uh, I was going to say, I – I know Q's got some ears on me, but I don't doubt that he's got the speed. But I'll, I'll, take, I'll get that smoke any day, bro. You don't want this. Oh, let's go. Here we go. We're going to be like, hey, co- Coach, sorry. I know you guys are running drills, but me and Jesse got a little one-on-one. We got uh, uh, Stidham. Come here, Stiddy. Come here. Come here. Can you throw, yep. some, can you throw on, some one-on-ones? Let's see it. Sling it, man. Unbelievable. Anyway, sorry, Devon. We're both going to get kicked out of practice tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. In the receiving core, who's impressed you the most from what you've seen in practice and in the preseason games? Man, yeah. I mean, look, the, the easy answer is Devontae just because everything he does looks so easy, you know, and he looks like he is that dude, as he should. But to, to give you a real answer on that one, and it's the one that everyone's been talking about, T. Billy, you know, he honestly has surprised me from day one. I was watching him, and I'm like, man, who is this dude? I totally forgot that he was even on the roster before, you know. Uh, you know, it gets to that point in the season where we don't get to watch all of our pra- all the practice and everything. So you don't really get an opportunity to watch the guy. Well, right away in training camp, he, he jumped off the tape to me. You know, if you go back and look at that first preseason game, you know, he was real close to being the talk of the town, you know, a drop pass here or there, you know, a couple balls that maybe didn't quite go his way. Uh, that weren't close enough to him, things like that, you know, and all of a sudden we'd be talking about him, I think, as being the surprise of camp, uh, you know, the guy that would be getting all kinds of uh, of talk. And then obviously, you know, I had a nice little game, uh, you know, game two against the Vikings, whether that uh, one was a pass interference call or not in the end zone, who knows, but if he comes down with that, you know, another big play. So he's been like right there on the doorstep of making some big plays, which obviously, you know, what, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, as they say, but... He's been impressive. He's got some nice speed. His routes are beautiful. I mean, I've seen him juke some of the DVs out of their shoes uh, at times. And so he's a guy that I think, uh, you know, has probably impressed the coaching staff. And I think he ends up walking down that that final uh, wide receiver spot on this uh, roster. All right, moving on to the running backs. We were talking about this yesterday where there's just so much depth at the running back position. How hard do you think it's going to be for the Raiders to keep maybe those four running backs that are going to make it on this 53-man roster? Man, really hard. Like I, I was watching Austin, uh, Wal- Austin Walter. Walters. Yeah. I always mess up his last name. Yep. But uh, every time I watch that kid, he gets faster and faster and looks quicker and shiftier. I'm like, man, I always confuse him with Kenyon Drake sometimes too when I'm watching mm-hmm. him run. Yep. Uh, like much different size wise, but that kid's got some real speed and athleticism in his game. And like Britton Brown is another guy that's honestly when he's gotten his opportunities, I've been impressed with him. And then. You throw Zamir White into the mix, who's obviously going to make this team. But, you know, there are just so many pieces where I'm like, man, you know, you could make an argument for each and every one of these guys making the team. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But, you know, I think things could get a little interesting. Like, I think Kenyon Drake is a guy that, that provides so much that this, that this staff could use in terms of his ability and everything. I know not to try, to try to take anyone's job away or anything, but I think if I'm Kenyon Drake, I'm thinking, man, there's some really good dudes uh, on this team, on this roster. I might be sweating a little bit like, man, i got to make sure I put right stuff on tape and not give these guys an opportunity because I have been really impressed 
uh, with a couple of those young guys for sure throughout this one. And I think that might be one of the harder uh, positions for them to make cuts at. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that, Jesse, because I said yesterday, and I was not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but I said, you know what, if Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake weren't on this team, I think the running back room would still be okay because the talent is that deep. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't want that to happen, obviously, because we know the talent <laughs> you know, that Josh Jacobs is and what yeah. Kenyon Drake can bring, but they have that much talent in that running back room where I think they would literally be okay. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I think it's it's easy to see whether you're watching at practice or in the games. Like, I, I look at Jameer White, and, and they've drafted Josh Jacobs' replacement. No no disrespect to the guy, because right. we all know what Josh Jacobs provides when he's healthy. I just think the dollar figure that's going to be attached to him is going to be more than what this staff wants to pay. And honestly, again, not trying to put the cart before the horse, but Jameer White looks like he is going to be a solid NFL running back. Mm-hmm. And so I just look what he does and what he provides to them and the skill set that he has. And I think he steps right into those shoes next season after Josh Jacobs goes and hopefully gets a payday somewhere else because the guy deserves it. But, uh, you know, I think they, they hit, I think, on Zamir White, just watching what he can do. Uh, it's just a matter of, again, you know, the cliche of if as a rookie he can uh, pass protect, right. you know, how many opportunities he is going to get. But he's shown some in the passing game, too, in terms of uh, his hands that I didn't think he had. I didn't know that he would be involved too much in the passing game. But, you know, he's a guy that can definitely catch the ball out of the backfield, too. So, I agree with you, man. Again, no disrespect to those two guys, but I think they would be just fine. Yeah, no, I do. I didn't believe it. I didn't think that that running back room could be as deep and as talented as it is, but it is really a big-time strength right now for the Silver and Black. And, Jesse, before we let you go, uh, the Raiders have their uh, next preseason game coming up on Saturday against Miami in Miami on the road. What are you going to be looking for? Who do you think this preseason game is really big for? Man, I would say, again, I mean, I know we, we opened it up talking about the offensive line, just same deal along the O-line, you know, with what happens with Brandon Parker. Does he come back into the mix, you know, and, and uh, you know, how much work does he get? You know, so really, again, watching those tackles, whether it's Parker, Munford, or Alex Leatherwood, those are the three guys that I'm really paying the most attention to, uh, you know, because as much as I think, like I said, uh, that uh, uh, Jermaine Illuminor has impressed me the most, I don't think they're necessarily going to start him. But, uh, you know, I do think that uh, Munford – and Leatherwood and uh, Brandon Parker are kind of all in the mix, more so Parker and Leatherwood. So those are going to be the guys that I'll be watching if Parker is available uh, come uh, come that game. All right, Jesse, a lot of members of media have been called out for the push-ups that they owe. You're not <laughs> a part of this group, are you? <laughs> no, no, heck no, man. Look, I'm no rook in the game, man. I know you do not step on the logo. Like, come oh. on, man. If, if I ever step on that logo – you better believe I'll drop and give him those push-ups. I don't care what number it is. I'm doing it because you, you got to know not to step on the logo. Yep, that's facts. That's big facts right there. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I respect that. I didn't step on the logo either, but I know certain members of the media who did, and I didn't see any push-ups. I do, so too. We'll call, we'll call them out <laughs> yeah. at practice tomorrow. We just found out. I just got the email about when practice is, so we'll be out there at 930 in the morning tomorrow. So, uh, Jesse, uh, we appreciate your time this afternoon. I know you and Brian got a lot of good things coming out on News 3 Las Vegas, but uh, we'll see you tomorrow there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, there he goes. That's Jesse Merrick right there from News 3 Las Vegas. Look what you just started, DeMond. Now I got now I got to lock him down. I got to lock him down one time. You, you see, I waited until he got off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you done made me yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I just got to go out there and show him Q Island. I got to show him Q Island. I went to Maui and I discovered my own island, man. Q Island's right over there. That's where Jesse's going to be. He's going to be out there just hanging out there getting dry. Like, man, I need some water. Someone throw me a water bottle or something. I'm dry. I'm thirsty out here. Q's got me dried out. I waited till he got off the phone. Man, oh, man. 
I am so interested in this. More than like, oh, our, our supposed one-on-one game. Just one route. That's all I need. I'll tell you right Just now. Just one matchup. I'll say, I'll say this. First of all, one-on-one drills are always set up for the offense to win. And I do think that Jesse would win anyway. (laughs) I've never claimed the fame to be a great defensive back. I've claimed the fame that I can whoop you in basketball. And I'm a basketball dude. I guarantee that Jesse, uh, I think he's got a little bit more skins on the wall when it comes to running routes. I'm sure he'd, he, I'd, I'd be running with him on that first move. Like I would, I would, I would sniff out the first move. It's that second move that gets you. That's when all of a sudden the legs go one way and the body goes the other way. And you're like, uh Oh, this don't work. That's when you're in trouble. So I'm sure Jesse would get me on the second move. First move. I'm good. Second move, unless he's just running a nine. If he's running a nine, I'm good. That's what I actually prefer. <laughs> 248 is the time. Many thanks to Jesse Mary from News 3LV. He's out there every single day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He's at Allegiant Stadium checking out all the games. He's on top of it. We definitely appreciate his time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Before the show started... We found out cornerback Nate Brooks had been released. That wasn't a big surprise. He hadn't even been with the team very long. We know that they had to have at least five guys released by the 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Two more names have rolled in. This is from Field Yates of ESPN. Defensive tackle Vernon Butler has been released. And maybe a surprise, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. So there you go. Nate Brooks, Vernon Butler, Demarcus Robinson, three of the five that have been released by the Silver and Black. And I'll say that Demarcus Robinson was a little bit of a surprise, but not a big surprise. I remember him in the third quarter of the game on Sunday against the Vikings. And I I thought when I saw him make a big catch in the third quarter, I thought it's kind of strange he's in the game late like that. But there you go. Uh, Again, versatility is the key word. I haven't seen a whole lot of versatility from Demarcus Robinson out at practice. Seen him out there making some catches here and there. Haven't seen him doing anything on special teams. Haven't seen him doing anything other than catch a few balls. And I think everyone talked about him as a guy that, hey, you saw what he did in Kansas City. You know, he was consistent catching the ball when when his number was called. Didn't happen that often. Well, now he is no longer a member of the Silver and Black. So uh, a couple uh, of releases that just rolled in, again, from Field Yates at ESPN. Uh, Defensive tackle Vernon Butler, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. And we knew about Nate Brooks, the cornerback earlier in the show. So there you go. There's at least three guys right there. And as the names roll in and continue to roll in, We'll definitely let you know who that is. Again, they just had to have uh, down to 85, from 90 to 85 by 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. 2.54 is the time. I know I got a bunch of text messages I, I want to get to real quick, and I can't get to them all, but I got a text from the 408. A big fight broke out of the Patriots-Panthers joint practice. They're coming here next week. Get your popcorn ready. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. There was a big fight. I was going to talk about that in cover three uh, between the Panthers and the Patriots. And this kind of thing's happening in scrimmages and in joint practices. You saw the Raiders and the Rams get into it last year. Both Matt Rule and Bill Belichick said if their players fight, they're going to kick them out. So they kicked out a bunch of players from practice today because there was a pretty big fight. And I'm sure that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels will have some of the uh, same kind of thoughts when they come to Vegas next week because uh, the worst thing that can happen is a, is a big-time injury. Not saying that that's going to happen, but you never know. You like to see the fire, but you want to see it to a certain extent, and then you want to see them calm it on down. So uh, we'll see. But a lot of people I've seen anticipate a big fight coming to town once the Patriots uh, decide to join the join the mix next week. Uh, and then one more quick text talking about offensive linemen. If Eagles keep Johnson, Andre Dillard could be an option. And uh, that's true. Andre Dillard has been a guy that I think people's name or have seen his name floating around there a while. There's names out there. Don't get me wrong. There's names out there. Uh, I'm just... I'm just um, I'm one of those that's not as 
as hopeful, I guess is the word, that they're going to find someone that they're going to be able to slide in and be like, man, this is the guy, right? I, I'm just, I just don't believe it. But look, there's been plenty of things that I haven't believed that ended up coming to fruition. So, you know, I'm just giving you my gut feeling and that's all I've ever rolled with. So that's, you know, not arguing or trying to tell everyone that they're wrong. I'm not that guy. I'm just going off of what I believe. But uh, good stuff right there. Maybe Andre Diller could become an option. Maybe he could become available for the silver and black. 2.55 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number two of the show. John McClain, he'll join us talking all things NFL. And we'll talk about cuts. We'll talk about releases. We'll do all that here on Radio Nation Radio 920.